0: I've always just spoken to him as a person, knowing what age he is, but I've never been a goo goo ga you know. I don't talk down to kids. I talk to them just as people.
1: You're listening to Work Hard, Parent Hard, a podcast by Mirza. Mirza is a company on a mission to close the gender pay gap. Our inaugural season, How to Dad, is all about masculinity and fatherhood for the
2: modern parent. Hi, I'm Sarance Howe and i'm the co-founder and ceo of mirza hi i'm mel Faxon.
1: i am the co-founder and ceo of mirza
2: well mel there's a reason i told you to wear your most fashionable clothes we are interviewing joseph kulteis joseph is a photographer he's worked extensively with marilyn manson so you will enjoy this very gender bending
1: conversation. He's like the cool dad, you know, like everything about him is approachable. You feel immediately comfortable around him and like you wanna just hang out and like talk to him about life. And he has so many stories that I feel like for any situation or story I could come up with, he'd be able to like match it and then give me some kind of insight that I probably wouldn't have gotten to it on my own. To start off, Joseph, can you introduce yourself, please?
0: Hello, everybody. I'm Joseph Koltice. I'm a pop star photographer that lives in Los Angeles. Been doing it for 30 years, and uh, you can see my work at josephkoltice.com or fresher, newer work almost once a week at joeykoltice at Instagram.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for that. I love your artistic style. But sticking to the theme of what we're talking about today, which is fatherhood, can you tell us about your your son and your kids?
0: I have a 15-year-old son. He's half Korean, half me, half white guy. He goes to a French school in Burbank. And so he's fluent in French and English and a good chunk of Spanish. And my fiance is Katsura Ogawa, and she's Japanese. And he he picks up a good chunk of that. He's a gamer. He has long hair, really long hair now, like I did when I was a teenager. He's 15, so he hardly talks to me. And getting him to do things these days is uh, tragic. (laughs) So so anyhow, so he's a great kid. He's super, super smart. He's my son.
1: And then I know you mentioned you have an ex-wife and you guys co-parent. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that experience has been like?
0: My relationship with my ex-wife is we were together for 15 years and then she just decided she didn't want to be in a relationship anymore. She was young when I met her, so I don't fault her for that. I've always kind of approached it as, it sounds a little cold, but it's kind of a business. So uh, we're in the business together of raising Nomi Star. So I respect her. I don't question her Choices in life, I keep it really business-like in a sense where we communicate you know, our shared expenses, schedules, and everything through email so that we're clear with each other. I find that when we talk in the phone, get a little bit too personal too quickly. So I just like, these are all things I learned through the process of being a co-parent. In the beginning, it was a little rougher, of course, because the feelings are a bit more raw, but as time went on, I... You know, I I talked to lots of people. I went through a lot of therapy about it. And I found that the best thing to do is is we keep it really business-like, but we both adore our son. We have the same goal. So if you're in the business together and your business is to make the best organic Twinkies you can make, you're going to keep that Twinkie going. (laughs) You're going to take care of that factory workers that help the Twinkie get made. And you're going to keep the the Twinkie groomed, you're going to keep your personal feelings out of the Twinkie process. It's funny I'm using Twinkie. So the co-parenting thing is that's my only uh, advice to people is just be kind, don't be mean, you know. That's why I like emailing, because before you hit send, you can really decide, is that really what I want to say? Do I want to minimize, you know, is there any emotions in here? And I, I learned that from trial and error. Because in the beginning, I may have been a bit emotional in the beginning. But it all it's all worked out great. It's hard to understand how our co-parenting has been good or bad for him. But he seems healthy. We go week to week, pretty much. And so I have him one week, and then I don't have one week. The positive signs of it are, and that's was funny last night, I sat around and thought about it, is that I do get a week to reset and have my own time, and then a week with him. So I think my week with him... Is more precious than if I had them every day. A lot of the families that we hang out with, you know, their kids, they're a dual couple and they have lots of kids and they they kind of get worn down by the every day having the kid. They might not relish them as much as when they're gone for a whole week. But it is it is weird when he leaves for a week, sometimes comes back and he has changed. One week will change him in a way that if you were there, you might not have noticed it you shaved off your goatee or something, you know, whatever the funny thing is he's done. I think if you live with him every day, maybe you would notice it. Those are the plus things. It's sad, to be honest, every Monday when he goes away, I'm sad. I've gotten more used to it, but it's a letdown. I like uh, cooking him food and giving him a hard time and just the fact that he's sitting down there. But again, he is 15 now, and at 14, he became less and less there. It's like he, he has his own room. And he just wants to hang out in his room. He just barely comes out. My uh, stepson, which is Seiya, he's Japanese. And he is five years older than Nomi. So when me and Katsura were dating, she lived in Irvine. I lived up here in L.A. Seiya was doing the same thing five years ago. And I talk to her about is he's just a teenager he'll get over it you know he's just just get used to this and you know give him space and she was just having a horrible turmoil it's breaking her heart because it really breaks your heart when they just all of a sudden they don't cuddle you anymore and they're gone and they want to don't look at me i won't take off my shirt in the jacuzzi or whatever the weirdness is i thought i would have been used to that at this point like i would have learned from that lesson and not been so uh, affected still totally affected. It's like it never happened with Saya. I'm totally heartbroken. I'm not. I'm like, oh, no, me hates me. And then the cat's now in the reverse. She's saying the exact same things to me that I said to her. It's cute. It's just parenthood. The funny thing is that I realize that as they get older, you kind of, you start to pay for it more. When they're really young, they give you so much unconditional cuddles and warm fuzzies and they sleep with you, they, they cut you, know, they jump on your back, and they want to hang out with you. But, but when they hit 14 or 15, it's over. They're gone. But they come back. My mom said I came back pretty quickly. By the time I was 19 or 20, i come back.
2: As the single child of a single mother, I, I don't think I fully recognized and realize how grateful I am until a few years down the line sometime in the late teens early 20s it just hits you and then that's really when the full swing of coming back to to the parents as as you said that's when it really happens
1: Yeah, it's like the last couple years of high school, I was like, I actually want to hang out with my parents. And then, uh, you know, by college and stuff, whenever they came to visit, like I was like, obviously my parents are coming out with us because they're so fun. Yeah, it's funny that like middle school and the beginning of high school was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe they're here and like never wanted to be around them. So it is funny that it's like that weird period where you're just like so uncomfortable with yourself that you can't be around your parents. And then as you start to kind of grow up a little bit more, I think then you're like, oh, they're also humans. Like, that's cool.
2: (laughs) Do you have any advice for parents currently living with and raising teenagers?
0: The advice I have is to find something that they're interested in. You know, I share a lot of things with him I think he'll be interested in. And he just pays no attention because he doesn't care. It's my interest. But if it's something he's interested in, then you have something to talk about. So, like, I'm reading one of the mangas that is a 37-book series called Flowers of Evil. And it is a window into what he's experiencing as a teenager. The series is a book about a very shy boy who has crushes on girls. And then the evil, super cute girl at school, she manipulates him into doing all kinds of very manga, Japanese related uh, craziness that you would expect and I see that and I go well, that's that might be how Nomi is so he really relates to that like he really, really loves that book it's got his irreverent, twisted sense of humor in there which I think he gets from me and then it's deviant and it's sexual and so he's exploring all those things I've got a big window in who he is right now at least who is exploring where it, it's And it was so nice of him to share that with me.
2: It is just so clear that having a strong connection with your son is so important to you. And having that kind of relationship as a parent is so important to you. Can you tell us a little more about what fatherhood means to you and why this is something that is so compelling and such a big part of your your life and your heart
0: you know, it's a kind of a cliche when you first find out you're having a kid and you go and see the ultrasound and, you know, this is something you want in your life and you've committed to it. It kind of changes you physiologically. I don't, I don't really have any way to explain it. Things started to change and how I felt about it. It's like, you know, I've always been a builder and a maker. You know, I built a huge, crazy kids room for him in our old house in New York City. So that was, it's nesting, it's becoming a father. I think it comes naturally if you want it. It's the only obligation I have really that I don't feel it's an obligation. I wanna do right by him and do the best job I can as a father with him that my parents did. I have wonderful parents. I realize that as I've gone through this journey of being a dad, I look back more and more at how they raised me. Whatever faults I could put on them, I just learned by example. And they both had careers. They both took care of us, but at the same time gave us enough space to grow on our own. I think it's a lot of it came from my parents.
2: Especially around the role modeling that we see from our parents and the gentle nudges that parents can provide. Do you have any stories of when you saw any traits in Nomi that were flags to you or ways that you've nudged him?
0: I can think of one off the top of my head that it was uh, astonishing to me. and was a learning lesson, and this involved three other families. All of us were experiencing that our kids were addicted to Minecraft. I mean, to the point where they would lie to us, and say they weren't playing Minecraft and go hide somewhere. One of the families, the son would get up in the middle of the night when I went to bed and go in a closet and play Minecraft all night. And then they started to realize he was kind of sleepy and out of it every day because he'd been up all night playing Minecraft in a closet. So all our parents got together and it worked out great. So we said told all the kids that the other parent has came up with this idea that no one's going to play Minecraft for a month. So basically, Justine could blame it on me, and I could blame it on the Browns. And we stuck to it for a month. With me and Nomi Star, I talked to him about what addiction is, and addictive behaviors. He was nine years old, probably. By the second week, maybe, he was like, oh my god, dad, I'm addicted to Minecraft. I understand it now. It was such a teaching thing. It was crazy having a sleepover with them at that point, and there was no Minecraft. And the thing that you're always like, come on, kids, go play in the backyard. Without Minecraft, they were getting all the shovels out and digging holes and knocking things over and hitting themselves with you know, rocks. And two weeks before that, they would just all be in the room playing Minecraft together in the same room. At the end of it, when they could play Minecraft again, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, there it is. Oh. I'm going to play guitar more, Dad. I go, okay, cool. That was a teaching thing for me too. I think, because then I learned this is a way to illustrate something to somebody, adults or not. It's just like take a step back from it and see if it's really that important.
1: I love though that you you worked with other families to like kind of place the blame on on each other but then they're all in it together too right so there's like that bonding moment for all the kids of knowing that like they all have to follow these rules which i think like i remember being like oh i'm just gonna go to Markin's house to watch r-rated movies because her parents don't care but you know when all of the parents are on the same page like that's pretty cool well
2: honestly even just that approach i think it's surprising in a way but lovely that at nine years old you sat him down and talked through this is addiction I'm going to speak to you like an adult and think that you will learn like an adult and he did and that's just such a beautiful illustration of the little level of depth and understanding we can expect from kids
0: that's one thing I haven't vocalized is that I've always just spoken to him as a person knowing what age he is, but I've never been a goo goo ga you know. I don't talk down to kids. I talk to them just as people, all of his friends. I talk to them as not necessarily adults, but a couple steps higher than whatever their age level is. I don't expect a pre-K kid to understand, you know, what a 15 year old would understand. So I speak to him as people. And I do think that's why uh, I have a healthy relationship with them. I never talk down to him about things. I, I ask him questions.
2: So to wrap up, what are some big takeaways that you would want to share to other parents and any points that you want us to touch on that we haven't?
0: Just uh, be present, you know, enjoy them when you're with them. Read The Power of Now. It's a great book to get you present. Enjoy them when they're young. Really spend a lot of time because when they become teenagers, they go away for a while. But I'm looking forward to our adult relationship a lot. I think he'll probably help me a lot more than I helped him maybe.
1: Well, I think that that is everything we had to talk to you about. This has been amazing. The stories have been wonderful. Thank you so much for, for talking with us. All right, next week we are talking to James Miller, the author of The Gender Agenda and Dads Don't Babysit. I think he has some great views on gender constructs and how they apply to our children from day
2: one. To get more information about us, please, please visit our website. It is heymirza.com. And in case you're wondering, Mirza is M-I-R-Z-A.
1: You can also follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mirza Says Hey. We also have a YouTube channel, uh, Mirza Musings, because we love alliteration. Work Hard, Parent Hard is hosted by Saran Sow and Mel Faxon. It is produced by Connor Arthurs, sound engineered by Georgina Han, who also wrote and composed our theme song. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, uh, Mirza Musings, because we love alliteration. Work Hard Parent Hard is hosted by Saran Sow and Mel Faxon. It is produced by Connor Arthurs, sound engineered by Georgina Hahn, who also composed wrote and composed our theme song.